guys. Welcome back to Kindled. I'm your host, Haley. Today I have uh, an excellent episode with Dave Jenkins, author of the book, The Word Explored. And he's going to talk to us about the problem of biblical illiteracy and what we can do about it. Before I get into that, a couple housekeeping notes. Um, as always, I love to remind you, if you've not left a rating and review to do that in the podcast app, it greatly helps Kindled be found by other women who need to be encouraged by the hope of the gospel and built up in their faith to deal with the problems of life. That's what we talk about here. We, we talk about the problems of the Christian life, things that we are encountering in the world around us and uh, everything from faith to culture to politics to theological topics, all of it goes. As long as it is relevant to our lives and our faith, you know that that's what we talk about here. A lot of people need help with that these days. So if you want to help, one small way you can just, for free, in 30 seconds, help me is by leaving a review for the podcast. Thanks for doing that in advance. Uh, the next thing is, as a reminder, every Friday, I have Firestarters episodes that are different from this podcast. They are exclusive for our Patreon audience. Only people inside Patreon hear them. They are less than 30 minutes, so they're shorter. And, you know, it's not like you have an entire second hour of podcast to listen to. Uh, I, I don't presume that people have that kind of time. But what's great about them is they are me and the mic just uh, covering recent events, things in the news that happen on a weekly basis. I usually record them on Fridays, so they are to the minute, up to date, things that are happening, uh, often touching on things that I've actually uh, covered in stories on Instagram or in lives or in posts, and just kind of further unpacking those topics. This coming Friday, I'm actually going to be out of town at the G3 conference in Atlanta, so I'm doing something kind of different. And uh, my husband and I are going to be at that. And so we are going to record um, something live from G3. I'm going to air it on Friday for my Patreon audience. Uh, I don't even know yet what we're going to talk about, but we're going to be talking what we're learning about and sharing takeaways from the G3 conference. So that's going to be fun and different. Joey has been on Firestarters a couple times and he's, of course, my favorite guest because he's my husband and he's extremely wise and uh I just love hearing his thoughts, and you will too. So if you want to join us, you can do that at patreon.com slash kindledpodcast. It is $10 a month, and it is a way for you to support this ministry while also getting extra content. If you are like the other women in there who have said they made it all the way through all of my episodes and they wanted more. So hop in there this week, and you can uh, catch up with us while we are down in, in Atlanta. Patreon.com slash kindledpodcast. Okay, here is my conversation with Dave Jenkins. Dave, thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, Haley, thank you so much for having me. It's it's a privilege to be with you. Thank you. Yeah, so uh, we have an exciting topic today. I mean, it's exci- exciting for you and I. I. I hope that our listeners will agree. I think that they will. Um, whether or not it's exciting, it is important. And that is uh, the topic of biblical illiteracy. And you wrote a book about this called The Word Explored. Um, so I would love for you to introduce yourself to listeners and tell us who you are and what you do before we get into that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, my name is Dave Jenkins, obviously. Uh, thank you for that introduction. Um, I'm happily married to my beautiful wife, Sarah. We've been married uh, 14 and a half years. Uh, I would say by the grace of God at the age of five, sitting on my mom's lap, we got in like a rear end bumper. And I just recognized at that time that I, I needed Jesus, not because I was scared or anything, but just sitting on my mom's lap and just realized, hey, mom, I'm 
I need Jesus. And uh, just remember following Jesus ever since. And uh, that's uh, taken me now to uh, seminary. Um, I have a master's of arts and a master's of divinity and obviously a bachelor's and uh, 20 years in ministry. Um, I started Servants of Grace at the age of 19. Um, before there were podcasts and well, there's podcasts, but there weren't like blogs. There were like groups. Mm-hmm. So this is before uh, right around uh, the time of like the Internet was coming around. And um, so we're talking like 2000 uh, married my beautiful been married to my beautiful wife for 14 and a half years. That's that was the best decision outside of my salvation. And uh, we together, uh, she helps me edit our magazine, Theology for Life, and um, uh, helps edit all my major uh, books and stuff like that in our magazine. And uh, she's a blessing. We live here in Southern Oregon. We recently moved from, got out of, you know, uh, California. Mm -hmm. And uh, thank goodness for that. Uh, Couldn't come soon enough. So we're, we're very blessed here. Although, you know, it's Oregon, um, but we live in a very conservative part. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're, we're, we're safe, you know, we're safe, uh, quote unquote. So right. uh, we're uh, <laughs> from the craziness, uh, but yeah, we're, we're, uh, we're loving it. You know, uh, moving from Cal- Southern California from the desert to here. Uh, it's, it's beautiful. It's sunny. It's green. Uh, it's not a, a desert, you know, with sagebrush and sand. And so uh, very cool. Yeah. Well, I, I, uh, this is a topic and I was just sharing with you, biblical illiteracy, I think, you know, and, and just for anyone listening, obviously that means not knowing what the Bible says. Um, that is a topic that for me has become, um, really, I've become more aware of it in the last couple of years after getting out of a very unbiblical church and one that really actually furthered it was one of those churches that you talk about that furthered biblical illiteracy um Mm. and unfortunately did not um really train me when i went to this church for the decade that i was there did not train me or encourage me to know how to read the word mind the word for truth understand it for myself it was more of like the top-down approach that was like the pastor was like, I'm going to share with you what the Bible says, and then you're going to take that. And I mean, of course, they would have never pitched themselves this way or made it seem like that's what they believed. And they probably wouldn't even say that's what they do believe. They wouldn't say that. But that's functionally how it played out because they um, really didn't teach people how to study their Bibles. They didn't have Bible studies. Even there wasn't a women's ministry or a men's ministry. It was just sort of, you go to church on Sunday, you're in your small group, you have community, you're, you know, it's just very focused on kind of like life experience and, um, what you do from being a Christian, like the actions, the living it out type concepts, like, uh, and this church later became very involved in social justice, which not a huge surprise there because obviously all the things I'm saying, but, um, but anyway, it, it just sort of, was a little bit of a shock for me coming out of that for, from a, for a decade to realize that I really didn't know. I did know a lot of what the Bible said, but I didn't really know that I had not uh, been approaching it in the right way. I wasn't approaching it as God's word for me. I was approaching it more as a rule book and something that perhaps my pastor would preach a sermon on and um, unpack for me and tell me what it meant. And, and not that I could 
actually go to God's word and that the Holy Spirit could illumine that for me and teach me, you know, all truth. And so um, I bet that a lot of people listening are, are perhaps going, wait, what exactly is wrong with some of the things you're saying? Like, I thought that's what we go to church for. Right. But can you kind of explain, um, you know, the problem from your perspective that I'm describing here? Yeah. Yeah. So just defining our terms really quick. Well, you, you did a really good job of explaining, you know, you know, what biblical illiteracy, the problem of it, you know, Mm -hmm. um, but you know, when we talk about biblical literacy versus being biblical illiterate, we're not talking about, you have to know every like jot and tittle of the Bible. Mm -hmm. We're talking about not knowing like key facts and ideas, you know, and and that for some people that's like, oh my gosh, there's 66 books in the Bible. There's, you know, thousands of pages. So Mm -hmm. how am I going to possibly know all that? Well, we're not talking about that. And we're not saying that's what biblical literacy is, although it's, you know, that's the goal is to, to know the content of the Bible. We're talking about, you know, not uh, being able to know key facts and ideas and growing in that Uh, people Mm -hmm. don't even know the, the the most basics. And as we'll talk about here in just a minute, um, Mm -hmm. do you want me to go there with the statistics? Yeah. So, so, this was one of the questions that I kind of had uh, for you is to prove to me for anyone listening that might be questioning, like, I mean, uh, we're, I'm a Christian. I think I know what the Bible says. Jesus came to die for my sins. Okay. Um, what more do I need to know? You know, like prove to me that biblical illiteracy is actually a problem um, so that we can discuss, you know, all of, all of the reasons why it's a problem. Yeah. According to George Barnett's state of the Bible for 21, 2021, Data reveals that over 181 million Americans opened a Bible in the past year. That number is up uh, 7.1% from 2020, when 169 million adults used the Bible, uh, at least occasionally. In 2021, he estimates that 128 million Americans, adults, reached for the Bible with you know, some sort of regularity. Just over one-third of U.S. adults read the Bible once a week, while half read the Bible less than twice a year, including never. In between these two extremes, he found that those who read the Bible more than twice a year, not even on a weekly basis, uh, overall one in six adults reads the Bible most days during the week, which is up from 12%. Uh, even among churchgoers who regularly read the Bible, uh, reading is not even that common. Close to a third or 32% of Protestants in the United States say that they read the Bible every day, according to a 2019 Lifeway research study including the 27% of those who read it a few times a week. Well, these might, these might seem like alarming, but it's actually even bigger than this. A few years back, Barna found that fewer than half adults can name the four Gospels. Many Christians cannot identify two or three of the disciples. Uh, 60% of Americans cannot name five of the Ten Commandments. Uh, further studies even say 82% of Americans believe that God helps those who help themselves. Is a Bible verse, even among... <laughs> This is a this is amazing to me. This one, even among born again Christians, eighty one percent believe that the Bible teaches that the primary purpose in life is to take care of one's family. Uh, this is always the one that people laugh at. Twelve uh, percent of adults believe that Joan of Arc was Noah's wife, mm. and uh, so wow. yeah, wow. we we laugh because it's it's comical, but it's it is really sad. You know, all of these stats are incredibly yeah. sad. You know, we yeah. Should, not yeah. rejoice over this, but you know, no, it's, it, it's, it's shocking. And, um, and yet, you know, I, I, 
it makes sense. Like if, if you don't read something, how would you know? And you and I are not sharing this to shame anyone who might not know or feel that they know much about the Bible. And there's a lot of people who want to know, but just aren't possibly like, like me, aren't in a church that is teaching them or equipping them um, or really training them how to do that. And it is overwhelming. I mean, yes, you can always open your Bible and read, but uh, a lot of times you're not going to understand what, what it means, or, you know, like you were talking about the themes or what to glean from a particular passage. Like if you just happen to open up to a random page in the Bible, like with no context of who it's being written to or who it's written by all of these things, I get why people would be overwhelmed. Um, but you and I are, are not coming at this from a place of wanting to shame or um, condemn anyone, but rather to kind of urge people about the importance yeah. of actually knowing what God's word says, because it is the only resource we have for life that is absolutely true. Um, no other book written by man, no uh, you know, devotional or Bible study, I don't care what name, you know, John MacArthur, uh, you know, C.S. Lewis, um, you know, any, any R.C. Sproul, anyone that you might look to as this great theologian, their words are fallible. Their words are not always true. They can get things wrong and they do. I disagree with those three guys on multiple issues and I still know they're a believer. I still know, you know, know they're Christians or were Christians, but it doesn't change the fact that we get things wrong as human beings. And so, um, you know, just to kind of let people know that's the perspective we're coming from. It's not a, a place of, you know, anyone is holier than anyone else. That's the, that's actually the point of why we're saying what we're saying is because no, we're not, we can't trust ourselves. We can't trust man. We need to go to God's word as truth. And, um, and that we just want to urge you and then kind of talk about how to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so, absolutely. so why do you think Christians don't read their Bibles? Cause that's basically what these stats showed us is that a lot of Christians, you know, we're, we're not surprised by that, that, you know, unsaved people, adults don't read the Bible. I mean, that's no surprise to me. Um, I don't profess to be a, a Muslim. And so I don't read the Quran, you know, what's the shock there. But yeah. if you do pro, pro, uh, profess to be a believing Christian, why do you think that person doesn't read their Bible? Why do you think, what was the percentage again? Um, like, yeah, yeah. Uh, Let's see here. Thirty-two uh, percent of even regular churchgoers don't um, read. say they read the Bible, and twenty-seven uh, percent mm-hmm. uh, say they read it only a few times a week. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so twenty-five percent of people maybe read it a couple times a week, and yeah. and that's if they're you know you also have to remember that these are people taking a survey that probably want to think more highly of themselves than they really do. And, and I do that same thing. You know, you, you, you think in your mind, yeah, I like, I read, I read this certain things, you know, pretty, pretty frequently, or I work out pretty frequently, but then when you actually look at it, it's not maybe as much as you sort of perceive in your mind. Um, so yeah. why do you think that is? Yeah, I think, you know, one thing that we're doing a really good job at, to be clear, always at the positive, <laughs> try to be, uh, is, you know, the contemporary literature is doing a really good job teaching people how to read the Bible. So they're like reading the Bible in context and, mm-hmm. and those kind of things where we're not doing a good job. Actually, we're doing an abysmal job. And this is where the statistics show it, reveal it is we're not helping people understand why they're supposed to read the Bible. So we're not getting at the motivation. So you might hear somebody say, well, when you encourage people to read their Bible daily, um, I've been told this many, many times, well, you're being a legalist. It's like, wait, 
we're talking about the 66 books that constitute you know the the word of god to us uh they tell us who god is uh there's no other way to get to know god other than in his word right mm-hmm. so there's uh, that that objection just falls flat on its face you know and, and furthermore i'm trying to take people past that objection to understand that uh, as christians we're indwelt by the spirit you know in the, at the moment that we're born again and god loves his word his people and his church and so if we understand that God loves those three things, then that takes us past that and helps us to understand, hey, this is what God loves. This is what I'm to love. I'm indwelt by the spirit. I'm saved by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. And, and so I should love these, these things. Um, mm-hmm. And I should delight over, it's like, you know, I say I love my wife, right? But if I don't, if I don't show that, she's right to question me, right? That question my love of her. And in the same way, God does the same thing with us. You know, if we can say that we love God till we're blue in the face, but if our actions don't demonstrate the, the, the fruit of a regenerated mm-hmm. heart, then um, people are right to question whether we're a Christian at all. Yeah. I want to tell you about the first sponsor of today's episode, and that is Caitlin Ashley Art. Caitlin is a watercolor artist after my own heart. She does calligraphy, watercolor, and custom art commissions for landscapes, venue, and home portraits. She also does wedding stationery. Caitlin has everything from stickers to scripture and prayer cards in her shop. I love her stickers because they're perfect for decorating your laptop, water bottles, notebooks, whatever, and those are great reminders for yourself and also good conversation starters with people about faith or politics. My favorite are her Politics Matter sticker and her sticker that says Pursue Truth in the Age of Outrage. I told you, you guys would love Caitlin's work. Check her out at CaitlinAshley.com. That is K-A-I-T-L-Y-N-A-S-H-L-E-E.com. And Caitlin has a special code for Kindled listeners that gives you 15% off your product's order. Use Kindled15 at checkout. Yeah, that's, I think that's a great point that, um, you know, what we love controls how we spend our time and all of us can look at our lives and say that that's true. If you love your kids, you make time to be with them. If you love working, you make time to work. If you love working out, you will make time in your schedule to work out. Um, if you love watching movies or going to the movies, you're going to find places that you can do those things. Um, if you love going out to eat, I mean, the, the examples are endless because we, we know that we actually do make time for the things that we value and care about. Um, and yet many of us find that we don't read our Bible as much as we would like to. And I I think this is also a case of, uh, you know, where Paul says, you know, I do that, which I don't want to do. I don't do what I want to do. And, um, and I think that it's, it's important to remember that we are still battling the flesh. And so, uh, there is going to be an element of, you know, not to over dramatize it, but spiritual warfare in terms of, um, you know, there is, there is someone out there that doesn't want you to know God. Yes, that's true. There's going to be spiritual forces and powers at play from the evil one that want to, you know, distract you or prevent you or make your phone buzz just as you're opening your Bible. Sure. That's true. But there's also the, you know, my flesh is, is just as much of, 
um, a stumbling block for me as the evil one that I want to say is out there that is just prowling around looking for me to, you know, to destroy me or distract me. Like it's just as often the things that I love in my heart that actually draw me away from God's word and tell me, you know, you're doing, you're doing pretty good. You're fine today. You don't need to, you know, uh, spend that extra time on Instagram or spend that extra time, um, watching the office, <laughs> like whatever, like for me, it would just be, it would be like a, a small voice saying that's not as important as this other thing you really want to do. So, and there's only so many hours in the day, you've got to do this. I mean, it's just as simple as that. I think most people, it's not like this, you know, this conscious decision they make where they're like, I don't want to read the Bible today, perhaps for some it is, but usually it's just a a split second decision where you've got a few minutes or you've got 30 minutes or your kids aren't up yet. And you decide how to spend that time, you know, and for everyone it's different, but like, I, I think that often it comes down to that, that kind of split second choice of like being driven by the flesh, what we value, what we think is best feeling self-assured or whether we remember that no matter how we feel or how our day is going, we, we depend on Christ. We depend on God and the power of the Holy spirit in our lives. And that's true again, regardless of how we feel. Um, what do you have to add to that? Yeah. I mean, what you're touching on is so important, I think, because, you know, there's good distractions, right. And in the end of the book, I talk about this, that there's, I haven't really talked about that in too many interviews actually, but there's, um, there's good distractions, like things that we could in, enjoy, like um, I'm not saying our family is a distraction, but, mm-hmm. you know, it's like what you're talking about. What we ultimately love is, you know, ultimately what we worship, what, what's ultimate in our lives should be God and mm-hmm. it should be his word and it should be his people. And we should have correct and biblical uh, priorities. Mm-hmm. Um, so sinful, sinful uh you know, distractions would be those things that take us away from those things that God has said, these are things that you're to do. Like you're to love him, you're to be in the church, you're to be in his word, you're to do community with God's people, just really basic things. Uh, For example, uh, it's, it's sinful to prioritize uh, on a Sunday, uh, like this week, say I, um, we're, we're, this is a, I watch golf. So, um, this week is the British Open. It would be sinful of me to skip worship to watch that. I would be mm-hmm. prioritizing the British Open above, um, you know, the the gathering of God's people. Now they're eight hours ahead of me, um, you know, in in England. So, but but it would be easy to think, okay, that's a good thing, or maybe football, or whatever that that thing is. Um, this would be something that the bible would say in in hebrews 10 it tells us to not forsake the gathering of the saints um that's not an option that's a command you know it's for our good uh, j.i packer uh passed away was it last year and he said that the normal christian life is one lived in the local church um and that's where we're to do you know life with god's people so um you know we, we can enjoy our hobbies and those things as long as they don't lead us into sin um, so that's what I mean by good distractions versus, you know, sinful things. I'm not saying that we're we're not against as Christians. We're not against having hobbies or anything like that, but our priorities have to be straight. Um, you know, it has to be God and the church, and uh, we're God and the, your family and the church and those types of things first. Not you know uh, God and then you know your job or or even worse 
your job and then God, right? And then whatever else would fall next. Uh, right. We have to have right priorities. Otherwise, you know, we'll, we'll make things ultimate. And that's, you know, John Calvin said the heart, heart is a, is a idol factory. So we're going to do that just by virtue of the fact that, you know, down to the very DNA, we, we have a problem and that's problem is sin. And we need Christ to, yeah. to deal with that. We need the Holy spirit to convict us. Yes. Perfect. You just said the Holy spirit. So that's what I was going to ask <laughs> next was, you know, I think that when we talk about this, a lot of times people, um, and, and I previously probably, uh, you know, several years ago would have felt the, the condemnation of, you know, of failing coming up short on any, you know, number of things. Maybe it's the time I spend in the word, my desire to be in the word, like knowing I should, but not really wanting to. And, um, and so I want to say clearly you cannot produce that desire in yourself that desire comes from God that comes from the Holy spirit working in me to desire to, to know and love the God that I, that I do trust in and that I, that I have put my hope in, but that the, the realization that, like you said, the Bible is the primary means that he has given us to know him. And, um, and I literally pray and I literally have prayed for, for a number of years now, God, help me want to read your word. Like help me want to read my Bible because I know I need to in my mind. And we do start with the mind, like preaching the truth to our minds, being transformed by the renewal of our minds. But that also needs to then work its way into our heart. And that's something that God has to produce in me. Um, It's going to obviously come forth as I grow in love for him. But at the same time, I know that it, it has to come from him. It has to be him working in me, the desire to not just read my Bible for, you know, checking something off the list or getting a quiet time in or whatever I learned at church camp, you know, where we had that manu that, uh, required 30 minutes a day, we would go to our cabin and do that. That sort of produced a legalism in me that I thought mm-hmm. if I just do that every day, I'm good. Um, obviously that's not how it works. It's not, you know, there's nothing magical about 30 minutes a day or sitting alone in a room in your chair with a candle lit. Like that's not how it's going to look, especially for uh, women like me that might have young kids running around and, and possibly a job or work or whatever you have laundry calling your name. Um, It is not, it it is not this magical uh, situation where you're going to have a beautiful, you know, quiet time that you want to take a picture of every time. Um, And, and I think that, you know, people probably know that, but it, I I'm saying a lot to just say that you cannot make yourself want to read the Bible. And it is not about strong arming yourself and just, mm. yes, you do have to battle your flesh. I believe, I do believe that you have to do that. But again, that comes from the power of God, not like I'm, I don't possess within myself the capacity to just will myself to do something every day ultimately that won't be sustainable. I could probably do it for a few days, but then I'm going to, the flesh is going to, you know, win. Um, and so I need God's help to actually produce the desire in me to know that because I love him, I will obey him. I will, you know, learn his precepts. I will learn his truth. I will know him through his word and I will desire to spend time with him in that way. Would you agree? Amen, sister. And what you're hitting on is so important. And I, and, and I've been, 
I've been hitting on this a lot in these interviews because we have such a cookie. What you're talking about is we have such a cookie cutter approach. Well, tell this person just to do this and then, you know, they'll be good with their time with God. It's like, mm-hmm. wait a minute. Are you kidding me? Uh, like you said, you have kids and, uh, you know, I'm, I know probably a lot of your audience has kids and it's like, where do you carve out that time? And then where do you, how do you carve out time for your husband? And then it just gets like overwhelming in, in, mm-hmm. and it's like, well, uh, I can't do any of that because mm-hmm. I got dishes, I got laundry, I got, you know, all these things and I got to make dinner for my husband or whatever else and things that you, I got to go to church and it's like, well, what about you and God, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, that's why we have to get to talking about principles, not, I'm not saying that we never get specific about what works for us, but we have to even say that because what people hear is they have they hear that okay well that worked for for dave or that worked for Haley, but it didn't work for me and then what people get think is and i've heard this so many times over the years is okay well that didn't work for me so what's next how how what's mm, what's the next mm-hmm. fix for this band-aid yeah. and it's yeah. like wait wait we got to talk about not having a cookie cutter approach to discipleship yes that's the problem because if I tell somebody to read the Bible five to 10 minutes a day or listen to it in their car or when they're taking a shower or whatever, um, that's going to probably be more helpful than saying, okay, well, this, this, this is what I do, which that's pretty much what I do. And, you know, I read it when I'm, when I'm driving around or whatever, five, 10, maybe 20 minutes a day. Um, and then spend time throughout the day on a, on a break, spending time in prayer or praying on the spot for somebody or, you know, it doesn't have to look like you're carving out this huge amount of time to be super pious and, you know, super, mm. super Christian mm-hmm. or whatever. Even for people in ministry, that's not necessarily true. Uh, pastoral mm-hmm. ministry, or otherwise, and most of my friends are pastors. So, you know, um, it, it's just not true. But we have to stop having such a cookie cutter approach to ministry. It's not a one size fits all. It's a what works for you. And let's mm-hmm. help you to understand the principles mm-hmm. so that you can take that and apply it in your life. Yeah, that's true. And I have to say, as you were talking, I think that as much as, um, you know, uh, I, I could see how, um, you know, this might sound funny coming from someone who's on Instagram a lot. <laughs> I don't think Instagram has helped with this because I think that women look at Um, and my audience is mostly women. So that's why I'm saying women, but like people look at, like, you're just saying what someone else does and they go, I guess that's what it looks like. I guess that is what it looks like to read your, your Bible is you've got your morning basket with your pens and your highlighters and your whatever. And you sit down and you have this quiet time at 5 30 AM before your kids are awake. And again, if you do that, I'm not shaming you. I mean, I'm, I'm envious of that, of, of that, you know, that pattern of that habit in your life. I love that. That is not going to work for everyone in, in every season of life. Um, and, and I'm certainly not saying that we shouldn't sacrifice sleep to read the word if that's what it requires, but it's just all too easy because we are a people that tends to, we, we just want to know how do I get what results you've achieved, whether that is a diet. And we look at someone's body and say, well, what did you eat? Or what did you not eat? Or how did you work out to do that? We look at someone's photo of them in their quiet time that they've taken sharing their takeaway or whatever. Um, and we go, Oh, well, how do I do that? Okay. Let's see. What highlighters do you have? Oh, let me see. What Bible do you have? What study Bible do you have? 
what, you know, um, tab markers do you have? Maybe if I get those, maybe if I do that, then I'll read my Bible like you do, or I will, I will spend more time with God. If I maybe have all the right accessories, you know, <laughs> and, and it's just so silly when you, when you say it that way, if I, if I have the right, it's like the same thing as like, if I buy new workout clothes, maybe I'll lose weight, you know? I mean, well, maybe, but you actually have to go do the workout. You actually have to go change your diet. You have to actually change your actions. You can't just purchase your way or, you know, or, um, set your life up in such a way that these things just manifest into your life. Like you actually do need to, uh, you know, want to spend time with God, spend, spend that time. And, and it, and it's not going to look exactly like everybody else. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We, we need, we need to get in our Bibles and open it up because what does the spirit do? Like you're saying, it teaches us, the spirit teaches us because we're indwelt by the spirit teaches us biblical truth from the scriptures. He points us to Jesus and then what does he do? He sends us out on mission uh, from our local churches to make disciples who make disciples for God's glory. Mm-hmm. So. The next sponsor of today's episode is Little Light Artisans. Little Light Artisans are gorgeous earrings that are handcrafted from start to finish. This is a small Christian family owned business that makes handcrafted wood and resin earrings. This is a very unique material. It's super lightweight. They are a decent size though. And they give you that statement earring look, which I love without the weight and the pull on your earlobes that just drives you crazy. Much like the name, these earrings actually catch and reflect light Yes, that's why they named it Little Light Artisans because they are very beautiful. They're kind of this marble look. I don't really know how to describe it. You need to just go look at their Instagram. Check it out at Little Light Artisans. And the owner, Lauren, is giving Kindled listeners 20% off on all orders over $100 with the code TAKE20. You can order at their website, littlelightartisans.com. Um, can you unpack more of the role the Holy Spirit plays. Cause you talk about that a lot in your book. And I think yeah. that that was a, a really helpful reminder for me that, uh, that I'm not doing this on my own. I'm not alone. When I open my Bible, you know, the Holy Spirit is present with me and, um, yeah, just talk to us about what that, what role he plays. Well, I think for example, you might, uh, come in contact with somebody who says they're spiritual, but they're not religious. Right. Well, how do you answer that? Well, y- like in the book, in chapter, uh, in the introduction, I was pumping gas and there was this guy that <clears throat> um, I ran across and he said, hey, I need help. And I was going to totally ignore him because I had meeting after meeting. But um, I realized that there was a reason that he was asking me this. And I ended up giving him a ride um, 30 minutes back, 30 minutes to where he needed to go. Um, he was lost, so it took a little extra time. And then, then we drove back. And in the middle of this, he said, I'm lost. And I said, are you, wait a minute, you, did you just say you're lost? And they said, well, do you want to be found? And he said, yes, I desperately want to be found. And I said, well, um, the only way to do that is to repent and trust in Christ. And he's like, well, what does that mean? So he spent a lot of time talking about his story. And by the end of the time, the hour that was, that we had had together, um, you know, he said for the first time dropping out of his house, I understood the gospel. And I said, well, that's good. Now you have to repent and believe. Um, and he's like, I'm going to pray and think about it. And I said, bro, I just, I, man, I hope you just repent and believe and trust Christ. I wasn't like forcing him, yeah. but it was like, so obvious. I'm like, you understand this now. So now 
now you're like accountable mm-hmm. to, to believe in Christ. I want you to understand that now that you've actually heard the gospel, mm-hmm. you're actually responsible to repent and to believe. Mm-hmm. So he never got a hold of me again, but he, he texted me and said, thank you for, for that. But mm. so you never know, like those opportunities are going to come up where, you know, you might not be able to drop everything and, and go and talk to somebody. But, you know, if you have the time, you know, be be open to to using that time in maybe another way. And that's part of being in you know ministry even is is, you know, you might have 100 things going on. But are you are you open to the spirit mm-hmm. using you in that? Are you even praying for that? Because like I said, the, the spirit wants to teach you biblical truth, but there's a purpose for that so that you can answer those kind of have those opportunities and be ready and equipped for those, mm-hmm. you know, opportunities. That's why you need to be in the word. Um, you know, the, the word has a from Genesis to Revelation has a clear theme and that theme centers on the person and work of, you know, Jesus. And, you know, Jesus uh, talks about this in John five thirty nine, Luke 24 you know, um, all the scriptures point to him. They all center around him. Um, he interprets the word to them, uh, he, from the old Testament, um, in Luke 24, he, and then he opens their eyes. Um, you know, he illuminates the Holy spirit comes and illuminates the word of God. Um, and, and then, you know, even like in John four, for example, that's woman caught in sexual sin, right? He, she asks, uh, question, Jesus asked questions to her, and then her eyes are opened, and then uh, she's soundly saved, and she goes back to her village, and she brings people to Jesus, and Jesus tells them, um, this is what the Spirit wants us to do. He wants to teach us the truth, mm-hmm. and from the Scriptures, points to Jesus so that we can be taught, so that we can know the, the Scriptures, so that we have something to share with other people. Right. Think of it this way. The more that you think about the glories of Christ from scripture, the more you're going to want to tell people about those glories. So true. And what, and what that does is it shows you the, the reality of the spirit at work in your life. And God wants to use you. You know, we can't open people's eyes. Like I sat for four hours when I lived in Boise, banging my head, trying to explain the gospel to this Mormon. And it struck me later. I'm like, what was I doing really? Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I was giving him gospel truth, but I was the one trying to convert him. And I realized that that was really foolish of me because mm-hmm. the Bible also tells us that the, the people's eyes are blinded. Yeah. So we have to trust the power of God and the gospel and the spirit to do what only God can do. And that is to raise people to new life. We're just a messenger and we got to be faithful to that. And we got to be bold in that and courageous Mm -hmm. in that. But we also have to trust God to do what he, he will do. Yeah. We are almost untouchable by those things because we're like, look, I mean, my treasure's in heaven. Um, I'm living for the glory of God, not the glory of myself. I trust him. He is good. He is my father. Uh, You can, you can't hurt me yet. You can kill me, but you can't hurt me. You know, and that's, that's our attitude when we are, when God is big and man is small, but, um, when we are not in the word, when we're not reading the word, when we're not seeing how God has been faithful to his people from, from the beginning of time, we, we don't really see how he could be faithful to us today. And we're going to struggle and we're going to fear man more than we fear God shifting gears a little bit. I want to talk for a minute about, um, doctrine, because this is a topic and kind of conversation that, that comes up a lot, especially on social media and some of the accounts that I follow. 
um, this discussion of like the idea of doctrine. And, and, and I think that this might be why some Christians are maybe averse to reading their Bibles because they think, um, well, you know, I don't want to be too biblical. I'm just, I want to, I just want to follow Jesus and love like Jesus did. You know, what, what is this obsession some Christians have with the Bible and doctrine? And I just, I don't want to, I, I think that that maybe is, is maybe a turnoff to people. And, and I think too many Christians beat others over the head with doctrine. Um, I've heard people say this, if this sounds like a caricature, it's not this people really do, um, sort of demonize, uh, doctrine and, and the teachings that are in the word. So, First, could you give us a definition of what doctrine is, an accurate mm-hmm. definition, and yes. um, and explain some of that to us? Yes. Well, doctrine, first and foremost, is teaching. It's teaching. It means teaching. And where does that teaching come from? It comes from Scripture. The Scripture, it's been said, if you want to hear God speak, read your Bible, right? If you want to hear him speak out loud, read your Bible out loud. Mm-hmm. So that's where we get doctrine. Um, what you're talking about, though, is really, really important because – uh, we, we can take this a step further and go, as R.C. Sproul once said, everyone is a theologian. That means that the atheist on a down to who the new age person, whoever, they are engaging in theology. And so the question is, as R.C. Sproul rightly says, the question is whether you're a good theologian or a bad theologian. Well, a good theologian grounds their thinking and their, their life and everything in the, in the scripture mm-hmm. because sound doctrine, it provides a pattern for and it promotes biblical faith and love. But doctrine also provides a valuable heritage to be treasured in our generation and faithfully commuted and transmitted to the next from Scripture. So sound doctrine, not only it not only grounds and gives shapes to our life, but it also promotes how we're to live. Um, so even the person, for example, that says, OK, well, I'm to love that person. Well, how do you know that? How, how, how are you able to do that? Because mm-hmm. love is a theological proposition that comes from God. You know, so we don't just love, for example, we don't just love our neighbor to, for, to love our neighbor. Um, you know, we, we might be able to do that for a time, but we're going to we're going to run out of mm-hmm. in, our, in our own power and our own ability in our own to quote unquote sufficiency. We we will we will that'll that'll end and we'll burn out very quickly. Instead, what we have to do is the great commandment tells us to love the Lord, our God, with all of our heart, with all of our mind, and with all of our soul. And then we're be able to love our neighbor. So love for God fuels a love for our neighbor. Those are both, you know, th- those are huge things. Um, they're what Jesus calls the great commandment, right? But those things are doctrinal things. <laughs> and it's not just, okay, well, I just believe this and it's, it's there, right? So I think it or whatever. I, I love that person. You know, we talk about love in, in those kind of ways. Um, and it's so flimsy, but love is, is actually the, the only reason that we're able to love, right, in the first place is God has taken our heart of stone and replaced it with, you know, a new heart with new desires and new affections. Mm-hmm. And so that's the only reason that we can love God at, anyway um, and then love our, our neighbor. As we talked about, you know, the spirit does this, this work. He opens eyes and ears to the gospel and, and teaches us and convicts us and helps us and all these things. But this is all these things that we're talking about are grounded in doctrine, in mm-hmm. truth. So sound doctrine not just is not only coming from God's word to help us to know God and what he's like and Jesus and you know the Holy Spirit and the Trinity and on and on, right? The end times and all those things. All those are doctrinal things. But also that should impact how we live. 
Mm-hmm. And this is where the disconnect happens because people today want to talk about, you know, okay, well, here's my best life now. Here's how I'm going to live. Here's this. Mm-hmm. What they don't understand is even those statements are doctrinal propositions. They're outside of scripture, but they're still doctrinal propositions. Even the atheist and the new age person and the progressive, they're espousing their theology, right? So we have to make sure that our theology is grounded in the scriptures. Uh, in Acts 17, 11, you know, we see that, that Paul commended the Bereans, right, for searching the scriptures to see if these things were so, because they were interested, they were engaged, they they wanted to discern, uh, to, to rightly analyze the world through a biblical worldview and, and to see it rightly, um, you know, like I have to wear my glasses, for example, um, in, in order to see. <laughs> um, but they, so they help me not only to be able to read, but to see the world around me. And this is what scripture does. It helps us to not only, you know, know the world around us, but to see it rightly. Um, and that's what, that's what doctrine does coming yeah. from God's word. I want to take a second to introduce you to one of my sponsors, and that is my friend Lacey Baumiller with The 5-Minute Meal. Lacey teaches women that long-term weight loss is a byproduct of healthy, sustainable habits, not short-term fad diets. If you follow me on Insta, you've likely seen that I've been on my own health journey to create more sustainable and healthy habits, so I could not agree with Lacey more. Her five-minute meal will teach you a simple weekly meal planning system that will simplify mealtime, save you from the overwhelm of wondering what to make for dinner every night, and help you prepare nutritious meals that will move the needle on your health goals and your entire family will love. To download the five-minute meal plan with recipes, shopping lists, and a step-by-step process to make it all happen, just scroll down in the show notes of this episode and click the link to go to Lacey's website. It's completely free. And bonus, anyone who downloads will get a 15-minute pantry audit where Lacey will teach you how to stock your pantry to make this process effortless. Just simply scroll down on the show notes of this episode to click the link and download your five-minute meal plan today. Yeah, that's so good and so helpful. That, yeah, I mean, especially how you talked about the disconnect from, um, you know, this desire to kind of uh, live a certain way or, you know, we hear espoused from all kinds of teachers and platforms that, you know, uh, the gospel lives this way. The gospel looks like this lived in a life and uh, where, you know, it doesn't really look like you're a Jesus follower where I don't see the love. I don't see the fruit. Where is it? Um, But if you try and do that apart from the teachings of the Bible, it's not grounded and it's not, it's not coming from the one that you say you're working for, you know, or that you are living for. So you can't disconnect it. And, um, you know, I just think you, you, we have to be really careful about who we're following and listening to when it comes to this topic, because there's a lot of wolves dressed up like sheeps, um, or in sheep's clothing that, uh, that really demonize the, the Bible. Actually, they, they make the Bible our enemy and, and try and make Jesus our friend. And you can't have it that way. It doesn't work. It doesn't exist. The Jesus that will be your friend. If the Bible is your enemy is not the Jesus of the Bible. It will be a mm. false Jesus. You know, it will be a, a Jesus that you have made up. Um, and my pastor even drew out this last Sunday. He said, you know, the name J E S U S there was actually many, children named at at the time that Jesus walked the earth, there was many children, uh, named Jesus, like that name, J E S U S 
was not exclusive to Jesus Christ. That, that was a name that was used. But so just to draw out the point of like, you, the name Jesus is, is just a name. But if it's not the one referring to Jesus Christ of the Bible, if you are not, if you do not accept that Jesus, then the Jesus that you've believed in could have been, you know, just some random neighbor kid down the street from Jesus. Like you could literally make your own up. And I just sort of found that, you know, helpful to, to realize, cause I actually didn't know that, that there was other, you know, children being named that, that name. Um, but they weren't the Christ, you know, they were not the son of God. They were not the Messiah. They didn't die on, on a Roman cross to save the, you know, to save the world and, and to atone for sin. And so it's just like, I think that so many believers today, um, fall prey to these types of arguments because they, they make us friendly to the world. They make you a little softer. They make you feel like, oh, I, now I won't offend people. If I just know I'm not, I'm not bringing the Bible or I'm not, oh, I'm not into doctrine. I'm just into Jesus. And I just want to love like he did. And what does that look like for you? And it's everything subjective and everything is, uh, just dependent on what feels good to you, this sentimentalism and, um, and, and being driven by feelings rather than truth. And, um, so we just need to be really careful of that and not give those voices any play in our hearts. Amen. Um, so wrapping up, what do you suggest for people who are struggling? Like who are, are like, okay, so where do I go from here? What's the first step? You know, I want to read my Bible. I want to pray for God to, um, give me that desire and to grow that desire in me to know him through his word where do they go from here? Well, I think um, like we're talking about, start with five to 10 minutes a day, whether you're listening or you're opening God's word, you know, obviously I agree with you. Opening God's word is the best. Um, Find a church like you were talking about where sermons are grounded in the scripture, points you to Jesus. Uh, Find a local church that teaches you sound theology, has theology classes, but also loves people. If you have a question about that, you can definitely email me. I would love to look at the church's statement of faith and just help you in, in that way. You know, my email is dave at servantsofgrace.org, or I'm sure you can find me on Instagram mm-hmm. or any, anywhere else. And I would love to help you with that. You know, and I do, I do help people with this because it, it's a big issue, you know, where you need to find a, ser- find a church where they not only preach expository sermons, but you're going to receive care, like, because mm-hmm. we all are going to have issues, right, um, in our life. So the question isn't when, if, but when, you know, and so you need the Bible, you need to sit under sound expository preaching, where there's also male biblically qualified elders mm-hmm. as well. And it's teaching you how to understand and interpret the Bible so that you can do that yourself in your, in your own time with God. Um, and also gathering around you community with, with God's people. Um, so those are, those are some places and, you know, maybe to start with, uh, start where your pastor is preaching, uh, the book that he's preaching through, just, just read that over and over and over again, just get familiar. We, we often talk about reading the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, and I'm not against that, but I think even camp being okay, but just camping in a book for a good while, getting that book in you, you know, by the spirit, um, in you really understanding what it means and, and what is the theme? What is it mm-hmm. trying to teach you is also a really good thing. Um, because that'll help your biblical literacy to, to go up. That'll help you to become biblically and theologically mm-hmm. literate. Um, so those are, those are some things that I would yeah. say. 
And I would encourage people to, to check out your book, The Word Explored. Um, and again, it's by Dave Jenkins. Uh, I'll link your website and your profile in the show notes of this episode so people can easily click over and find you, follow you, um, order that. Um, and I would, the other thing I would say is um, don't be afraid of a study Bible. Um, I, you know, I have the ESV study Bible from Crossway. I, I just got that this last fall. I wish I had had a study Bible sooner. I mean, I know that it's not the only way to study God's word and that, you know, it doesn't, it can't, it's not the Holy spirit revealing truth to me, but, um, they provide a lot of historical, cultural context for certain things that are going on, uh, in, in any given book explaining, uh, who wrote the book, who it was intended for, which helps me understand how to read it, how to understand it. And, whether it's, you know, how to apply it to my life, because it, it is all applicable. Um, and we often say, you know, or our, I've, I've heard people say this, um, the Bible is not about you, but it is for you. And so, you know, a lot of false teachers today uh, make every single passage and sermon and story and David and Goliath about you. You're always David, you're always, you know, slaying your giants and your dragons, and God's going to do this miraculous work in you. And, um, you know, and, and unfortunately that's, that's not, that's not what that story means. Like Jesus is David. Jesus is, is that's the, that's a type and kind of a foreshadowing of Christ. Um, and, and it's, you know, again, that goes back to being in a sound biblical church, but also, um, not reading yourself into the Bible where you don't belong. Um, and it's very easy for us to do that and often replace Jesus with ourselves because we think that, this is about me and how God's going to, you know, I just need to read this, this for encouragement. And, it, and we can, you know, we can look to the Bible to be sort of like a little inspirational Ted talk. If we don't understand like who it was being written to and for and why it's there, because everything's there for a reason. I'm not saying it doesn't apply to you um, in some way, but just to read it, you know, carefully and with discernment and not to like butcher, you know, verses or stories just because that's how you grew up maybe in Sunday school hearing her, um, having heard them been taught that way. And for me, a study Bible has been really helpful in that regard. So, um, yeah. you know, it, it could certainly become a crutch, I guess, if that's all you ever read about God's word and you never actually just prayed for the Holy spirit to reveal truth to you. And so, um, yeah, but I think that it's a good starting place for people. Yeah. Good word. Good word. All right. Well, uh, Dave, thank you so much for joining me. It's been a great conversation. I hope that people will be encouraged by what we've shared here. Any final um, thoughts that you want to leave people with? Yeah, just start to view Bible reading like you would eating food and drink. Um, Because it's it's not just a, it's not just something that you need. Like you have to have food and you have to have water and you have to have sleep to survive. And Mm -hmm. in the same way, that's what, how you should approach Bible reading, not just as something to check off, but as a necessity for life, because it mm-hmm. is as important for you as, as food and water and sleep and start to see it that way as the living bread that sustains you as the water that the spirit uses to wash you, uh, wash you anew in the, in the righteousness of Christ mm-hmm. and, and to purify you and to cleanse you and to make you a usable instrument uh for god's glory so that's what i that's what my last encouragement would be and you know spend five ten minutes a day you know in that book and uh you'll see that god god by the spirit is changing you uh people will notice that 
um, and they'll take notice and they'll wonder what's so different about you. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I want something that you, that I want to have what you have. And all around us are people that are, they're lost and perishing and they need Christ. And, mm -hmm. and so that, that would be my encouragement. We, we need you on the battlefield. So armor up, get in your word and soldier on. Let's get, let's get going soldier. Yeah. Uh, you know, let's, uh, let's, let's get to, let's get to the bat, get in the fight and get right. in the battle and yeah. join us. I love that. Thank you so much for your time and for joining us today. And like I said, I'll link everything that we mentioned in the show notes. So people can find that easily. Well, it's a pleasure to be with you and keep up the good work, Haley. Thanks, Dave. You too. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening, guys. And as a reminder, uh, I will be out of town this weekend and uh, down at G3. So praying for everyone who's going to speak there and attend for safe travels and for ultimately the good news of the gospel and truth of Jesus Christ to go forward and for this to be a springboard for the gospel to go uh, to go out to all nations and that we who attend would be um, empowered and encouraged and built up in our in our faith to continue on in that fight continue on in the battle of uh, you know the good fight the good fight of faith so anyways i'll see you guys uh next monday if you're in patreon then you will be hearing from me when i am in atlanta okay catch you next week bye